Hey everyone, welcome to New Business. I'm your host, Jill Thomas. This show is about helping business owners create success faster and more easily than they thought possible. Our guest today is Billy Joe. She is an herbalist and the owner of Wellness Pet Supplies in Ashland, Oregon, and is working on opening a physical therapy clinic also in Ashland. She's also, in addition to all of those other things, working on getting a degree in clinical animal nutrition. Welcome, Billy Joe. I'm so happy to have you. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I I just gotta say. So I walk into your business, you don't remember this because you've had this interaction a hundred times a day, but I haven't. I walk into your business with like the cheapest, most unhealthy cat food on the planet, probably, probably. <laughs> and I said, can um, can you get me some of this? Can you order some of this? And she's like, no, no, we don't sell this here because it's not good for your cats and here's why. And it was like, you handed me a piece of paper and I thought, you know what? I like her. I like her. Because I love it when you go into a business with money in your hand and you try and buy something and they say, no, 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 we have the ability to take your money, but we're not going to because it's not the right thing for you and we care that we want to make sure that you get what you really need. So tell me a little bit about kind of what's important to you with this, because I get your business has all healthy pet food and I could pretty much buy anything in there without looking at the label, although I do. So tell me about that. Well, I love that you look at the labels because that's one of the things I try to teach people is to be a label reader. But when you walk into my store, I'm not just a pet store. I am a wellness center. That's um, my intention uh, from the beginning. And it has even evolved from my intention into a deeper intention for that. And I want to educate pet parents. And I I, along with everybody else, realize that we have been lied to and duped by most of the pet companies out there. And I love my animals just like everybody else does. I, 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 my famous saying is I love them. Like I gave birth to them myself. And so I want the best for them and I want them to be thriving. I want them to be healthy and I want them to be around as long as possible. So my store represents that ability to be able to make that happen. So I love that because I love this idea of you know, we being duped. I mean, I, I go back to this. I'm not like a major conspiracy theory people person, but having come from the nutrition industry, I know how easily we can be lied to about the food, the things that are in our food, human food, right? At least we can yeah. taste the sugar in it. Yeah. I imagine it, the pets have no concept or they can't really communicate with us about right. how the food makes them feel. Yeah. How do you kind of get around that? Are you just, are we looking for symptoms or signs? How do we know that it's yeah. not? Well, one they do tell us, um, they tell us in, uh, their, their moods and their illnesses and some body language is like backing away from their food or, um, uh, only eating part of it. And you have to keep dressing it up for them. So there's lots of ways that they do talk to us, but you know, us as humans have kind of forgotten how to listen to animals. And so that's another thing that I try to teach is how to understand what your animal is telling you. Plus the other thing is that I see all the illnesses people come and see me about. I kind of, we do floor consultations. Um, I'm not doing full consultations yet because I haven't graduated uh, school to be able to do that. Um, but uh, on the floor, I will ask a myriad of questions. So people will say, Hey, this is going on with my animal. And of course there's 
um, a hundred things that they're not telling me that they haven't realized yet. And so I'll ask the questions to get to some of those things. And then if they don't have a diagnosis yet from a vet, I will tell them what's on my short list to go and have checked out and then come back to me with a diagnosis. Cause then I can really get in and dig in and help from there and support them in returning their animal back to a healthy balance. So it's interesting. I love that what you just said, because you, you talk about, you know, they go to the vet or, or the short list for the vet. And I think about the human experience of going to the doctor and the doctor gives you advice. And sometimes it's often a pill and you're not sure about it. And we, we don't even really tend to think about that for our, our pets, our dogs and our cats, that maybe the vet industry is also kind of having the same sorts of challenges that the medical industry is where it's, you get 10 minutes with a patient, they you charge a fortune because you have to, because you spent a million dollars to go to school without insurance, without <laughs> insurance, right. Without that's true without insurance. And then we, as pet parents don't often question what the advice is that we're given. Is right. that what motivated you to go become an herbal? Uh, er, tell me what that is. pet herbalist. I'm going to say it wrong. So Clini- just clinical animal nutritionist. I, I'm an herbalist for people that really transfers over to animals. It's more about dosing, um, but clinical animal nutrition. I have about uh, six years people nutrition education on a degree through the, um, when I worked at Whole Foods um, as their herbalist on staff and they would give us classes. But um, uh, yeah, it was, it's one of the reasons why, um, but as I was transferring my knowledge over, there was some Swiss cheese holes and I didn't like that. I wanted to be able to help. And it was really frustrating not having the answers for these animals that are suffering. And um, I just don't want them to be suffering. And so I decided I need to make the jump. Not necessarily wanted to go back to school in my 50s, but I'm really loving it. And I'm learning every single week. I learned so much more to be able to help them um, and I couldn't be more grateful for getting this degree because it's really going to make a big difference. And there's a handful of other um, animal professionals, whether it's vets, um, integrative vets, or just straight up holistic vets, animal nutritionists, animal advocates that are doing this education as well. And I, I am really excited to be joining that team because it needs to get out there because almost all for six years, I would say, all but one of the animals that people have been coming to see me about health issues and it's all day, every day are all on poor quality species, inappropriate foods. And they have no idea that that's what it is, that that's what's causing the problem. You know, some have some clues, like, I think I need to increase their, you know, better nutrition and things like that. But so many people are like, this is happening and I don't know why, Wow. you know, and it's almost always food. It's really interesting. I mean, we have that in our own human lives. I always think yes. it's human lives because humans yes. use your words, yeah. right? Well, we are mammals. We're both <laughs> mammals. Just some of the needs, um, species needs are a little different, but we're both mammals. So it's very similar. So kind of shifting job topics, and we're going to come back around to this one because I, I love what you do. I think it's really interesting. <laughs> but unlike a lot of the other guests I've had on this show, you actually have employees. So talk to us a little bit as a business owner, what that experience is like. I know that's kind of a vague question, but mm-hmm. as a as a perfectionist, maybe the control freak, I can't even imagine like handing somebody else something to do and saying, hey, do, do this the way yeah. I would do it. <laughs> right. Tell me right. about that. Right. It is the most difficult part about my job. 
on Mondays, I'm here by myself. And sometimes I'm a little grateful for that because I just get to come in and just do my work and just, you know, I'm always strapped for time, but I don't have to uh, direct somebody else. And uh, knowing how to do that uh, is, I think, one of the most difficult things that I have had to learn how to do. Um, my last business, this is my second business, my last business was very different in having employees because they would, it was a pet care business. So they'd come and grab their things and then go and I wouldn't see them for the whole day. I'd maybe talk to them once or twice, but unless there was something wrong, maybe. So I didn't really have that much interaction with them. Um, but here we're with each other eight plus hours a day and um, constantly having to make sure that I give direction and that I'm being a, what I call a responsible boss. And I've had to learn how to do that. I don't think I did it um, perfectly and still don't, but I'm much better at it than I used to be. Um, making sure that I uh, keep that balance of being friendly, but not their friend. Um, and that's hard to do because besides the last business, that was the only time I've ever managed or uh, been a boss of somebody else. You know, I never wanted that job. And now I know why it's really hard. And so it is a dance for sure. And I've brought in um, a, a mentor, a friend of mine who works, she's like third from the top in HR in California for the state. Uh, I have had many, many meetings with her of her teaching me how to be a better boss. So if that's not something that you know how to do, I recommend finding somebody that you admire who does it and pick their brain and ask them questions and bring situations and problems to them. And how would you handle this? So I had to redirect myself a lot and then come back to my employee and like kind of undo and redo several times, you know, um, draw boundaries, have, have to-do lists. So I'm, yeah, so they, so they have direction constantly that I don't have to just be watching and verbally saying all day long that here's your list. I, I would be a tyrant. So I know that about myself. So I, I, I have to be a solo entrepreneur. So I, I'm, I'm a, I have a great deal of respect for somebody who can actually actually do that. Now, I had a good friend who owned a restaurant and I remember him talking a bit about how, because he was a restaurant tour during the vid and how he felt so responsible for his employees and you know, because he's had families, they were, he was worried about his business, not just for him making money, but because he was now, he felt responsible for a, a little bevy of people who relied on him for for all of their funding tell yeah. me a little bit about what that feels like or if that's a responsibility that you feel yeah it is I do for sure um I had an employee that really uh, was on such a tight budget and wanted as much overtime and when she didn't get overtime was very stressed about that and that can put a little stress on me because I wanted to keep her I wanted her to be happy I wanted her to be financially stable um, and so knowing that you are someone's sole income is a huge responsibility. And I take that very, very seriously. And so, you know, I put it into my budget to try to get her as much overtime as possible, which also helped me um, because we, we have a lot to do here. Um, but uh, my current employee really likes to just come and do his job and go home and that's it. He doesn't really need the extra income in that way. And so he's kind of easy when it comes to the budget. But um, I, I also have to think of their what they're making and make sure that that is something that a person can live on and 
uh, match that with my budget. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. And I so get that. I get that because yeah. you've got to provide, uh, you're competing against Amazon. I mean, right. you're competing against right. Chewy's, you're competing right. against all of these other people. So you need to make it, you know, relatively competitive mm-hmm. as much as, as is reasonable for the community to be able to afford it. Right. I mean, right. you're literally right next, you're right across the street. Her store is right across the street from a, a pet food location. I know you don't sell the same products, but it's, right. it's not like that's not on people's mind, but that is, that is an interesting balance that you mentioned of having yeah. to, come, you know, make sure the margins aren't too high. Right. And so creating a really great environment for them to be in a friendly environment, a supportive environment. We just did a review uh, with my employee and I really liked the feedback that he gave me. I had him um, on paper. I had some questions for him to, to kind of give me a survey and he feels heard. He feels supported. He feels that um, if he were to bring a problem to me, that I would listen, you know, that things would change, that they would grow, that he feels part of a team. Um, and that was really good to hear that, that I have created a space for him to flourish and be him and that he feels happy to come to every day. Um, and with that, I also make sure that I provide incentives since I'm a small business, I can't afford health insurance and, you know, IRAs and 401ks and things like that. And so I try until I can, which I do want to do that until I can, I create incentives. So whether that's like a gift card to, I know his favorite coffee shop or the co-op to, you know, for a job well done for a project I have given him. And I've watched the growth of his performance because he knows it's going to be recognized, you know, Um, and uh, making sure that I, I also buy lunches every now and then, you know, I buy him some, you know, I'm going to go get a coffee drink. I'll get him one, you know? So he feels that he's, seen as a human, as a person. And I love, not I love just what you're, wheel. sorry, I love the way you're describing it because it, it almost sounds like, you know, it's a business is an organism, right? And, and part of the piece is the employees that you have, but also the customers, the vendors, all of those relationships all at once. Tell me if that, I mean, it, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, that that requires a level of diplomacy that most people might not have. Tell me about if that, if you think that's true. Absolutely. I've even had to evolve myself in that area as well. I think I had a pretty good um, skill set to be able to have that diplomacy, as you put it, with vendors and customers and employees. And it's a dance. And there's times where I'm really struggling with a um, distributor and they're making lots of errors and mistakes. And you've got to then be... Um, more firm, but you don't want to um, alienate anybody as well by being really upset. And so you have to like take a moment and, you know, I've had to learn to be very clear, but not maybe over say, that's something that I've had to learn how to do while I've had this business open to be like, listen, it's been three years of you making these egregious errors with my orders. And this has really got to change. And I think at that moment, I was over expressing how I felt about that and didn't necessarily get the results that I wanted. So I've had to learn to, you know, increase my diplomacy and uh, say less, but be more clear. Got it. Do you feel like it's any different? I <laughs> 
I know this uh, isn't something we talked about, but I would love to get your take on the fact. Do you think it's because you're a business, a female business owner? Do you think there's any sense of it being different because you, you, you know, yeah. plumbed that other way? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even in talking with customers, I realized that I'm talking about some very big, serious things and having to blow the lid off, so to speak, for them of what they thought nutrition for pets was. And, you know, it can get very heady. And I've, I've caught myself watching their body language with me that um, I'm like, I think I should probably smile at this point. And I realized that that's a very female way of having to be in the world when you are talking about serious things with people um, that so you don't come across as too much of a tough guy, or a hard ass or, you know, as the word gets used, bitch. Oh, yeah. you know, oh, she's just bitchy, you know, or she's just bossy or she, you know, she's too demanding. And, you know, while I listen to um, animal nutritionists that are men um, talk about the same thing, kind of in the same way without those responses from people. So, and I, yeah, it's, it's one of the skills I use. And, and sometimes I get a little bummed about that, but I'm like, eh, it's second nature at this point right? to yeah. make sure that as a female I'm getting heard. And so how is it best they're going to hear that from me? I love, I love what you're bringing up too, because, you know, as, I hate to say this, but as a woman, guys don't know what we're talking about. As mm -hmm. a woman, we, oddly enough, we're almost used to it at this point, yeah. right? We have to, yeah. oh, I have to smile. Really okay. Would you say, I'm sorry, can you say it again? We're really groomed for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like, it's not like it's going to change tomorrow. So yeah. <laughs> at this point, smile when you're giving bad advice. And yeah, <laughs> Ugh, I know when our dads could just tell people how that works. Yes. Yeah. You know, part of the fun. Uh, so you alluded to this earlier, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. You had a job before this. And actually, interestingly enough, you and I kind of ran in the same circles, but we'd never met. I used to came from, come from the vitamin world as well. And you had come from, you were a buyer, was it for Whole Foods or am I saying that wrong? Tell me about that. I, I was I was both the uh, herbalist on staff. I was the first herbalist ever hired at Whole Foods in San Francisco, the original San Francisco store. And um, and also I was the uh, body care buyer. So lotions and soaps and, you know, all those kinds of fun things, bubble baths. Uh, and um, I didn't want to be the herb buyer because I would have had to have purchased brands that I don't agree with that I think are not very good. And um, so I turned down that job, but uh, wanted the body care buyer. Cause you know, I'm like, I don't know. I don't necessarily care what lotion you buy <laughs> and they carried good products, but it, and it was fun. Um, but it taught me a lot about inventory and meetings with your vendors buying things on sale and deals and how to pass that on and margins and profits and losses and, uh, and yeah. And ordering it was, it was such a wonderful experience. And then being the herbalist, getting to have those four consultations with people and watch that back and forth and that, um, how to ask the questions to get the information that you need. It was vital. I I'm so grateful for that experience that I had with Whole Foods because I don't think I was I would be as successful as I am today if it weren't for that. I love that because so you took you took skill that you learned at your job as as TR Wrecker would say the just over broke right the job job and turned it into a successful business now it sounds like there was one after after Whole Foods yeah. and then this so one 
So I got led back into my love for animals and started my own professional pet care business, which I have I had a fleet of trucks and um, several employees. And I did that for 13 and a half years. And, uh, and, you know, I did everything from house sitting to dog walks, six dogs at a time off leash up in the hills in Oakland, um, drop-bys, uh, uh, medication administration, including like IVs, you know, like drip IVs for wow. kidney diseases and um, taxing, you, you name it. We did everything that you can do in it for pets. We did that. Um, and that also, so that plus the experience at Whole Foods really taught me how to run a business, you know, because I had to have a, I had a budget and I had to, you know, there was times where I receive all the checks from everybody. I'm like, well, this is all the money there is coming in. And I'm a hundred dollars shy. How do I fix that? How, How do I fix- make that? Work? How'd you fix it? Well, one day it was kind of magical. I literally screamed in the air. I'm like, I just need a hundred dollars more. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do about that at this moment. And so I'll go run some errands. And I went to the post office and I came out and there was not a soul around. And there was a crisp $100 bill laying on the ground. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I picked You're it up and I'm like, guys. thank you. Yeah. So, you know, a little I, fun with you. Yeah. So that, and that's one of the tools and skills that I've learned to develop. And I use in my business is setting my intention and asking for what I want. Could you, and then get out of your way because you never know how that is going to come to you. And I believe that what your true intention is and what you put out there is what you're going to get back. And a lot of people think that they're trying that, but I don't know if they actually really, and it's not working because I don't think they get to the super base of what your true intention is. It's almost like, what's the intention under the intention? That's a good point. You bring up a really good point because there's the intention of, I want to heal pets, but also that's, that's part of it. But also it sounds like the bigger picture is I want to make the world a better place. And how do you get to that? How do you make that big goal happen? I I think that's awesome. And I love that's very, very good advice. Um, Certainly asking the universe, can I have a hundred dollars, please? Is (laughs) having it just show up. That's awesome. Yeah. And it wasn't coming from a place of like, I'm expecting the universe to give me a hundred dollars. It was seriously what I needed in that moment at an almost desperate level, you know? So other ways I would, okay, where can I cut back? Can I, can I put my, can I give somebody an extra day off that maybe they even mentally need and put myself out there? So I have a little less in, um, you know, uh, salaries to pay, you know, where, wherever it was, uh, that I, even in personal, can I cut back a little bit in my personal life, not go out to eat as much, you know, not get the new phone that I do need, but I can squeak by with this new phone, you know, things like that, that, and I've even done that with this business. When I first started, I don't have to watch it as tight now, but I could not purchase any um, product until I found out how much it was going to be. And then I went and I looked at my bank statement uh, register and to see what I could afford. And then I'd have to shim, you know, skim some off or yes, now I can add that extra thing. Um, now I have a little bit more wiggle room with that. We've literally grown 20% every year, which I hear is unheard of, um, especially for new businesses to grow consistently like that over a period of six years. Um, but yeah. I love that too, that 
the discipline of saying, okay, I'm going to wait and see until I have the money in the bank to pay for this. And the average person would just go, Hey, there's a credit card around here somewhere I can use. Right. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but you, you're not the average person. You wanted to create a successful business that was sustainable. And mm -hmm. that meant doing it in a financially responsible way. So I, right. I love that. Yeah. Uh, um, I did so get a loan when I first started uh, um, this business and it was not a huge loan, but big enough to matter. <laughs> to get me going. And, uh, and I have that in six years, I have that, um, more than half paid off because I don't dip into it anymore. I, um, make sure that I actually pay a little bit extra. I'm doing the snowball effect of financing. Um, and so whatever I, credit card I have paid off, which I pay that off every single week, like it's an American express. And, um, and then whatever those payments are, after I paid something off, I take that and put it onto the next bill, which would be my um, credit loan for the business. And, um, and I just don't think about it. I just budget for that and pay that off. And I don't use, I don't keep dipping into it. Um, I think I did a couple of times when I first started just for budget needs, you know, um, but I was very present and aware about it. And as soon as I couldn't stop doing that, I did. And yeah, I, I run, I do my budget every single day. In fact, I don't think you need to necessarily do that, but I really want to this to be as successful. And I want to be financially as stable as I would like to be. And for my employees to have all the things that they want, including health insurance. And so I run a very tight budget ship. Love it. Love it. Love it. So you come from Oakland. I know Oakland is a long way. Isn't it? Those of you who don't know, Oakland, California is a long ways from Ashland, Oregon. How did you end up up here in Ashland, Oregon? And she's her store in case you could, haven't seen her website yet. Um, has a beautiful, beautiful, cute little house <laughs> <laughs> around the corner from one of the best coffee shops. Oh my God. Location wise. I'm just going to jump off here on this one. Location wise. I couldn't imagine being more perfect because there's no parking yeah. at the coffee shop. You park in front of this cool pet store to go to the coffee shop, which I know you don't love. I know you don't love, but that's how I found you is I'm like, oh, oh there's good. this pet store. I, I'm going to get myself a caramel latte, but I, you know what? I should get some, see if they have that pet food that I wanted, see if they have it. Yeah. So I love the location. Tell me how you got from Oakland to Ashland, Oregon. Well, originally I uh, was raised up in Portland area and um, fell in love with a boy that took me to the Bay area and, uh, you know, moved on from that. And I loved it there so much that I stayed for the next 20 years. And um, when I felt like I had reached uh, my limit of wanting to work in the pet professional care business, I uh, was kind of stewing over different business ideas. And a friend of mine suggested that she goes, you know, I, I see you opening a pet store like a, like a wellness pet store. And it was literally like a lightning bolt shot through me. And I knew that that was what uh, I wanted to do next. And so I started the five-year process of researching and, you know, making it happen. And we were going to first do this in Maui, in Kihei. And I went over there and I found us a place to live and I found a, a business location and I could not make the money work. And it broke my heart. I've always wanted to live on an island. So I thought, I definitely changed when I was there by myself, tooling around, trying to figure everything out. It didn't necessarily like that feeling of being kind of trapped on an island, you know, and um, pretty grateful that I ended up not doing that because 
boy, when we decided that the next on the list was Ashland, because this was always my stopping point from to go back and visit family, you'd always rest here first. And it's just the cutest town. I love this place. And came here and we started doing research for here and found we really liked the community. We really liked the area, um, the housing, you know, the weather. It, it, it just seemed like the next best thing. And now I think it's the best thing. You know, I'm so glad that we didn't land in Maui mm. to, to find this location, which can be hard. I thought it was going to take me three years minimum to find a location, right? Because that's everything, location, location, location. And it took me six months um, and in a small town, unheard of. And I literally was just walking my dog one day and um, went to cross the street, uh, one street over, and I felt this force, like literally stop my my body. I, and I've never felt anything like that before. I, I was like, am I, am I going to get into like a car accident? Like somebody going to jump the curb and ran into me. Is my dog going to get attacked by another dog or something? And I'm supposed to avoid that area. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just go down here and look at these cute little shops. And I turned the corner and I passed this house and my husband and I were living in Medford. We hadn't moved to Ashland yet. And I was like, oh, it's such a cute place for rent. Too bad we're not ready. This is a perfect location, even for the business. I would love this. And I got to the edge of the um, yard and I felt that whisper in the ear that we get, that little tug in your gut that said, back up and read that sign. And I backed up and in teeny tiny little writing said for commercial use only. I love and it. I, yep. Zoned appropriately. Yep. Made an appointment for that Tuesday and the rest is history. <laughs> Love it. Did you guys buy that house or did you, are you renting it? No, still? we're, yeah, we're leasing it. It's a cute little house. It's really adorable. Yes, it is. And it's been perfect. And one of the things that I learned in business is to only bite off what you can chew. And so it's 800 square feet. Now we're ready for something bigger. So we're looking into moving into a bigger space so we can start the physical therapy that you mentioned earlier for animals where then I do the consultations and, uh, and we expand even into smaller animals. Right now we're just cat and dog. We want to expand into gerbils and rabbits and maybe some reptiles, I don't know. <laughs> ferrets, ferrets, something we didn't have yeah. in California. Yeah, and ferrets. not animals, but they're, they're, you know, food and supplements and things that they need. I love it, I love it. So tell me a little bit about, and we talked a little bit about this and I want to get into it a little more deeply. The difference in the mindset from when you had a job to now that you have a business and you're kind of responsible for a tribe. Tell me about that shift because, you know, a biz, a job, you don't really have to worry about whether there was enough money coming in with a job or the business, kind of the opposite. Tell us sort of the biggest challenges in the shift in mindset. Yeah. I think it's almost like having children. I would assume I don't have, children. I never had them either. So I don't know. Where you never get to turn off your brain and never turn off the worry. So I could clock out with a regular job and go home and I'm done and your brain is back to just you again. And, you know, uh, maybe you have some deadlines that you're concerned about, things like that. But in owning your own business, it, there is so many things to worry about. And it literally has kept me up at night at times, you know, and um, I, I want to make sure that A, I'm successful and B, that I'm doing right by what I set out to do, which is to help animals. And the, yeah, it's, it's a constant on my mind. I never get to turn it off. Um, you know, I definitely have moments of rest. It's not like I'm, you know, biting my nails all the time, but it's always there. It's just always there. Interesting. And 
on it as you know and even as arduous as that sounds and taxing as that sounds wouldn't do it any other way i wouldn't i wouldn't go back to working for somebody else I love that. And uh, I, I feel the same way I'm in my business. I jokingly kind of quote pretty woman and say, I say who I say, when I say how much, and <laughs> there's, there's some real power in taking back your, your dominion and saying, this is, this is my space and it's going to look like this and it's going to feel like this. And I want my clients to have that, this particular type of experience. So it sounds like you've sort of right. orchestrated that in your own business too. Right. Absolutely. Well, I also am very passionate about what I do. I think that really helps. I, um, really mean it when I say I want animals to be healthy. I take that very seriously. I take being an animal advocate very seriously because I think that's what we are for them. You know, they're not just our friends, but they rely on us for everything. This is not their world. We have asked them to come and live in our world. And so I take that very seriously in making sure that we take proper care of them and all of their needs, emotional, physical, you know, so forth. And I, I want to make sure that that comes across to other people that they get from me. They can also get the things that they need to do that because I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. It's interesting because you you're saying all of these these words, but what I'm hearing is love. It's all about love. But, yes, absolutely. Well, don't you think that we do things out of one or two reasons? It's either fear or love. Fear is anxiety and worry and stress, anger you know, envy, all of that is fear-based, but love is compassion and community and uh, empathy and, you know, and love. And the animals just, the animals, is, you know, dogs and cats, intuitively I tune into them and the dogs and cats have very different energy and horses have really different energy. Yeah. But there's well, one thing like a just, rabbit and a dog mixed together. <laughs> and they're so freaking smart. It's unbelievable. Yeah. They could tell me what drugs, <laughs> they could tell me what drugs their handlers are using that maybe they're not supposed to be using. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the dogs and the cats are like, they will say something like that. The aura just doesn't look right after they smoke this thing. So, but it's interesting. Yeah, I hear this one a lot, but you, they just radiate this love. And we want to make sure that we give them the best tools so that they can be happy because they're like a little stove in the middle of our house, radiating love. It's so cute. Yeah. Right. And all they have is energy, you know? So that's why I say people like, oh, you know, well, they're not talking. I'm like, but they are. You just have to learn how to listen to their language. So that's, you know, back to the, we ask them to live in our world. So the best we can do is learn how to speak their language so we can communicate to them as best we can what we need to do to keep them safe and happy. Love it. So if you could go back in time, when you started this business, tell me about if there's anything you would do differently, any mistakes that you made. Oh, you know, like I spent $5,000 on this stupid ad and the only thing it generated was phone calls that wasted my time. Like that kind of thing. That's what I'm looking for here. What would you, what would you yeah. look like? I definitely, um, I extended myself maybe a little too much with, you know, one of the things I want to do, one of my goals is to be a part of my community as much as possible. I want to adopt the baseball team and provide the shirts and the pizza and, you know, and I want to, you know, donate to all the people who come and ask me. And at first I started to do that and it stretched me even thinner in the beginning. And I've had to really narrow that down and learn to say no and no is okay. Uh, when it comes to people asking for um, handouts, whether that's an organization or the homeless person off the street, you know, for their animal and like not to overextend myself, because if I've done that and I go out of business then I'm helping nobody. Right. So I have to be smart about how I give. 
you know, and, and the things that I'm actually really driven to give to most of that is animals first, since that is the business that I am in, you know, and then people second. I love it. Well, you bring up a really good point because this, this business is the child that you never gave birth to. Mm -hmm. And this child needs to be healthy. And if you take some of its blood away, blood meaning money yeah. and give it just to, to every person who comes and asks you for money, they need money too, but you can't do that because that, that sucks away the, yeah, it's viability and yeah. that viability is, you know, good for the community, but it's also your employees and people like me who go in there and can't find good, healthy food anywhere else. So I right. love that you're, that you're equating holding onto those coins as being a protection for your business. Right. And what I say to them is not, I can't now please ask me again next year, you know? So I keep that door open and not just like, you know, you know, bug off. No, you know, that they know I'm interested. I literally cannot do that for you right now. You know, I've extended what my um, donation and charity limit budget is. So create one, see what it is you actually can give, create a budget for that. And then do not go over it because when people tug at your heartstrings, man, it's so tough. And I think that's even tougher for women because we're so extra compassionate and extra empathic, you know, and that's probably because we can give birth, (laughs) you know, and it it. comes naturally in that way. Um, One of the other things that I would have done differently was learn how to be a boss in this tight realm of working together uh, first, like get some tips and a mentor first before I did that. So I could avoid some of the mistakes that I made, like being too friendly with my employees. So then they didn't know where that boundary was and or how to respect it. That's very good advice. Very, very good advice. So is there any final things? I mean, you and I could talk all day and we, we actually have, <laughs> we actually have. is there any final things that I didn't think to ask that you really think people should know that you want to, you want to get out in the world? That I really want to reiterate again how much we have all been duped when it comes to pet nutrition. And so it is really hard to do research on Google that isn't wherever you're looking that isn't sponsored by a pet food brand selling it that to you. There's a lot of new science that hasn't been updated yet with our veterinarians and understand that they are not nutritionists. They are there to diagnose and to do emergency surgery if needed, to medication if it's needed, but nutrition isn't it. They, that is actually their big pharma is science, science, diet, pet food. And, and as a business owner is to do your research, 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 and get mentors. I love that. My, my aunt's a doctor. And I remember her telling me once, she said, if, if people knew how little education we had on food and nutrition, yeah. nobody would ever ask me what I should be eating. <laughs> yeah. And she's, I just wish people would just do their own research when it came to the food part, because there's, you know, they just don't get a lot of education yeah. on it. it changes all the time. And she only went to school once. Right. <laughs> so. Right. And, and I love them for what they are for. Cause if I break my arm, nobody better that I would go to than a doctor. If I got hit by a truck, that's who I'm going to as a doctor. I'm going to an herbalist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when after. I need to increase my, uh, you know, diet and make it better, I don't go to a doctor. That's a good point. I go to a nutritionist. That's a very good point. And, and honestly, most doctors would tell you the same thing. Don't go to a they doctor would. Yeah. They would, yeah. <laughs> okay, so how can people find you? Give us your website. The website will be in the link in the description in case you don't write it down when she's saying it, but what is it? It is wellnesspetsupplies.com. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> Love it. And um, you can ship our, things all over the country? 
Can you ship? Stuff? I can ship things. I don't have an online store yet. We're working on that. So when we get the bigger space and I get more employees, because I don't think I could handle what would come because I'm already working 12 hours every day as it is. Yeah, that's kind of wild. And so, yeah, need more staff. And that's um, coming soon. We're getting some people trained right now on that. Uh, um, but yeah, so I kind of do it the old fashioned way. You call me, you tell me what you need. I charge you for it. I get your address. I ship it. <laughs> wow. I guess, that, I mean, I guess people still do that. No, actually you are right around the, the corner from a, a post office. I know yeah. because I, I will hit the post office before I come and get some food from you today. So thank you so much, Billy Joe. I always love talking to you because you're so passionate and I get that about you, that you really care about this on a level that most people don't. And I'm excited that you, I'm hoping that people got something out of this. They learned a little bit about this industry. And also I love the thing about, you know, us being tricked sold an infomercial yeah. when it comes to pet food. We are, yeah. most of us know that we're being sold that when it comes to our food, food or human food, but to think about it in terms of pet food as well, it makes a lot of sense. So thank you right. so much for that. Yeah. So I hope everybody got something out of it. I am Jill Thomas again, and I got to tell you, I believe this is the age of the entrepreneur. I really want everybody to start considering getting a side hustle, creating a business, something to make yourself more financial financially viable as we start to head into some tough economic times. And I really do think that's happening. Uh, it's going to be, be more important than ever that you have more than one stream of, of revenue and start thinking about this and, and listen to Billy Joe's advice. Cause it was really good stuff that I haven't heard anybody else say. So I'm excited. So thanks again. I hope you get to see you guys next time. And thanks Billy Joe. Bye-bye. Thank you.